छात्र अमिस्त्रोबीन हजार Okay, I'm drawing a line in the fucking sand here. Do not read the Latin. Hello! Welcome to Don't Read the Latin. This is Jennifer Lovely and I am Rias Hall. And uh, thank you for your patience. I had um, horrible, horrible migraines for absolutely no good reason. And uh, so that was a, a, a quick halt to pretty much anything at all I wanted to do, including this podcast. <laughs> That's okay. I totally understand. The weather here has been weird and everybody's been having really bad sinus situations yep. and migraines. It is bullshit. <laughs> Welcome to summer in Seattle, Washington. Yes, where my daughter is wearing a winter coat <laughs> to her to her summer camp in the mornings because she's chilly. Yep. So, what have you been watching? Um, I discovered this week. I discovered a show called Dietland, and judging from what I saw in the commercials, I thought it was going to be kind of a happy-go-lucky comedy about a fat lady finding her place in life. And what it actually is, is kind of like Fight Club for women. It is the most subversive show I've seen in ages. Uh, it's created by Marty Noxon from um, Buffy. And it's about a woman who is overweight and she's like, hates her body. Oof. And she's been on diets all of her life. And she's trying to lose enough weight so that she can get um, gastric bypass surgery. That's... And her mother is like, you're beautiful. You don't need to do this surgery. It's really dangerous. Yeah. And um, she just keeps doing it. And her doctor's like, she's like, I'm not losing weight fast enough. And her doctor's like, cut 200 more calories from your diet. And she's like, that'll leave me at 500 a day. And the doctor's like, well, do you want the surgery? And it's... Wow, that is that is womanhood in a nutshell, isn't it? And she writes for a fashion magazine. And her job is answering viewer mail, basically, Pretending to be the magazine's editor and answering letters to the editor. And all the letters are from, in the first few episodes, are like, I've been raped and I don't know what to do. I can't help it. I have to cut myself. And it's just all these things that these young girls are sending into this magazine. It's just yeah. kind of overwhelming. And while she's dealing with all of this, there's a group called Jennifer. And they are a terrorist group. Yes. And they are kidnapping men who have been who are rapists and murdering them and dropping their bodies out of airplanes onto fashion week among other things. And she kind of gets involved in this whole underground Diet movement. land, huh? Uh-huh. And as it's <laughs> happening, like as the, as the terrorist group gets more active, uh -huh. women all over the world are starting to kind of wake up. Like there's a scene where uh, the protagonist is in line just, at the grocery store to get like one of her diet meals and there's this girl standing in front of her and there's a guy standing behind her in line and he just leans over and he's like and he just starts whispering in her ear and making her really uncomfortable and all the other women in line behind her just say you need to leave the store 
and he turns around there's like this huge crowd of women supporting this one girl and he's like she deserves it because her skirt's that short and he should they chase him out kind of and that's like one of the earlier episodes and it's got so much content and so much stuff about um not just body acceptance but yeah. just about what it is to be a woman in the world yeah and her boss who is the fashion magazine boss is also dealing with that because she has become this head of publishing at this place and all the stuff she had to do to get that job Ugh. and it's still her husband owns the company and she can be fired for anything and it's just really, really good. And it's only like five episodes in. It's on... Um, That's what I was just going to ask. I'm like, uh, where where can you watch it's this? It's on AMC. It's an AMC show. Okay. And it's really good. And I was very lightly advertised. It's based on a book, which I have not read, but which I plan on reading. And so, yeah, it's really, it's really fascinating. Yeah, I have a girlfriend who just moved to Australia. And she's... Well, it's more than that. She's been there for like a year and a half now. Uh-huh. And uh, one of the things that she's commented on is in a year and a half of living in Australia, she hasn't been weighed at her doctor's office the entire time. Because anytime she goes uh-huh. in about anything else, they ask her about what's wrong with her and right. and deal with her as a person who and needs to be treated. deal with what's wrong with her instead of saying Instead of, you know, you come yeah. in with your, you know, your legs been torn off and they're like, well, you know, maybe if you lost some weight. Well, I just, <laughs> I just lost did. <laughs> So I've been watching that. Um, I've been watching a show called Pose, which is a is it Ryan Murphy show. And it's about the ball scene, like from Paris is burning yeah. in New York. And it's not that great content-wise. There are things I love about it. Yeah. There's a I've lot heard of looks-wise, it's great. It, it's beautiful to look at. Yeah. It's got some great scenes. It's just a little soap opery, but all of the trans characters are played by actual trans, trans women yeah and oh my god they're gorgeous that was the yeah. only thing i could see that was that made me feel that was one of the things that made me feel like it wasn't set in the right period mm-hmm. because trans women today have a lot of medical advantages that were not available, available in the 70s yeah yeah and yeah yep and then we have wonderful companies like starbucks that are yeah like i heard saying, about that that was yeah, awesome they're like reconstruction surgeries and and things right. to are fixing problems right, because that you like have. you can get... they're not elective issues they right. are things like that facial you... feminization yeah. surgery they're like is a lot of insurance companies consider well, that an elective yeah. Yeah. well it's just a plastic surgery to make yeah but if you are transitioning it's yeah it's a pretty vitally, big deal it is a big yeah. deal and it's, yeah. a, and it's a big deal to your mental health and to yeah. your your feelings about your insides matching yeah. your outsides. Yeah. Or outsides match- matching your insides. Anyhow. Um, what have you been watching? I have been doing um, that still that slow slog through the entirety of the MCU. Um, uh, some of it watching with Tekla and then some of it were just like going through the whole thing. And so it's really funny because uh, we've been discovering things that are still great upon revisiting them and things that as we watch them we're like i like that less now like i am i'm finding less to like about that movie like uh-huh. it wasn't that great in the beginning and then so i mean we've seen um thor the dark world which i felt improved like letting a little bit of time pass and yeah. actually getting further into the universe um i like 
I think I may like it more than the first Thor movie because it doesn't yeah. have that that love story, which I yeah. felt. I like Natalie Portman. I think she's awesome, but I felt like she was kind of shoehorned Horned. into that. Shoehorned, I know. Yeah. So I was just waiting, you know, for a moment. I was like, I was going to throw shoehorned yep. right in there. Ha, ha, I beat you do it. I know. Um, but we watched Doctor Strange. We watched uh, Civil War. I uh, watched Spider-Man Homecoming with Tekla, and she adored it. So did I. It that movie is so, so fun. much fun. And I have disliked every Spider-Man movie. Yeah. And I saw Turn Off the Dark on Broadway. Oh. Or Turn On the Dark. <laughs> Either the way, <laughs> there was some dark and it was turnt. <laughs> and there were some beautiful, beautiful things in that play and some really terrible things. Yeah. And I'm just not a Spider-Man fan, but I loved Homecoming. Homecoming yeah, was, was fun. It was sweet. Yeah. It had a much more racially diverse cast than I expected yes. it to. And they all seemed like teenagers. And they all seemed like actual teenagers. teenagers. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the one that we found that we just found less and less to like was Age of Ultron is just it, it's it's just something that once you see it once you just never really need to yeah, go you back don't, to I it mean, again because yeah. it wasn't that great in the first watch no, and, and then to, and on don't a second need to watching that. and um, with the little bits that you've seen of Doctor Strange in other movies uh-huh. I actually enjoyed the Doctor Strange movie itself a little bit more I enjoyed the Doctor Strange movie a lot yeah it's very pretty, it's and, very pretty. and a lot of the, the a lot of the character actors that are in it were really great. I hope that they take some of the and story if, that they were building. Right. And to... I know there's a... Go ahead. Oh, no. I know that there that there was a plan of having sequels to uh-huh. give that character growth. And I'm, I'm hoping that they find a way to wind that in to the stories that they are continuing that aren't Doctor Strange. Yeah. Um, and in that same kind of universe, uh, we watched the very first season of Legion which I absolutely adored. I think I mentioned it in the last podcast, but we just absolutely flippin' loved it. And it was a lot of fun. I've watched, I think, the first episode of the second season. Uh-huh. Um, so still kind of sitting on it a little bit. Um, but it, I really enjoyed it. Um, a movie that I know that you are going to enjoy talking about is um, a night that you were working for Horror Movie Friday. We showed um, How to Talk to Girls at Parties. Oh my God, that was the movie I meant to write down. I immediately ordered... I knew we were going to be good because I knew I was going to be bringing as it As soon up. as I found out I could buy the Blu-rays for like 15 bucks, I ordered one for me and one for Jilly. It's so... I... I am I am a dictator at my movie nights. Uh-huh. Um, unless I have an agreement at the very beginning of it that right. I am... Right, it's okay to talk during this, this one movie. Because it, yeah. it doesn't matter. But if it's like a real true horror movie, I'm like, you shut your mouths! And um, I felt really bad because... I was the one, like, things would happen, and I would, it was like, I was, it was like I was a football fan. I'm throwing my hands in the air and be like, yes! I know, that movie is so good. I just. It's just so sweet and so gentle and so punk rock. Yes. In this weird and so teenage way. And, yeah. And English, and, and wandering around those neighborhoods where they're not in the cool neighborhood oh, at no. all. It's just the rest of fucking England. Yeah, they're in a suburb somewhere way yes. away from England. They Out can in the middle see of the nowhere. fireworks from the Queen's Jubilee, but... But it's way the fuck over there. Yeah. And it was just... It was wonderful. And, and, you know, I never found myself... Nicole Kidman was not in movies I really liked. No, I think she, I really like her. I think that she tries to take challenging different roles. And yes, really and she is doing amazing that. work over the last 10 years. Yes. Yeah. She is doing roles where she is 
unattractive and scary uh-huh. and harsh and wonderful. Yeah, she's doing some really challenging stuff, and I think it's great. I'm not a big fan of most of her movies, mm-hmm. just because they're not the kind of movies I'm into, but I loved her in this. Yeah. I loved I loved her as the, the, the turning point for me was Stoker. Her as the, oh, the she's great brittle, angry mom in Stoker was She's just... very good at doing brittle. Yes, she is. Uh-huh. So there's a bunch of other stuff that I'm really going to give a chance to that I might not have a couple of years yeah. ago. Uh, da, 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 da. The other movie, um, there's a couple things out that I've been wanting to see. I really wanted to go see Hereditary, but I know it's going to be a hard movie for me to watch. And the universe is really hard right now. Yeah, um, I, that's why climate, I didn't see it. I was like, yeah, I was like, I can't handle this right now. Yep, I had to um, make that call too. I'm like, I really want to go see it, but I kind of don't. My, my boyfriend didn't want to go see it with me, and I'm like, yeah. I just can't handle family fucked up family dynamics no, right now and no. i know it's going to be a great film when i'm finally yep. ready for it but yep. i am not ready for it now yep um so i um instead chose to go see hotel artemis oh i saw that too and i had a blast i loved it i, I loved it so much i love movies like that that feel like they are in real time like it is just this slice of this universe and this life and it these felt like a graphic right novel to me i was surprised yes! that it wasn't based on a graphic novel because the coloring yeah the way the characters looked it I, very much looked like a graphic novel. i loved novel. it and i loved it you know that very um gosh wasn't it was it max headroom that took place 15 minutes, minutes into in the, the future, future? yeah yeah, and it had that sensibility to it. It did, and, and it had awesome female characters. Yes, and Jodie Foster. I just want to bounce her on my knee. I want to hug her and cuddle her because she's tiny. She's this tiny little angry woman in this movie, and I just wanted to love she her. She is. She is a complete badass in that. She's an agoraphobic badass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they, they, you know, they, they've let her age visibly in this movie, yeah. and she's fantastic. Yeah. Now, I, I made the mistake. Um, the the letterbox um uh uh criticisms where they'll they'll oh yeah yeah they are turning into the cesspit that imdb Mm -hmm. um uh message boards oh yeah i never look at messages at those i do because there are people out there who love movies who are out there talking about them Mm -hmm. and occasionally you can find people that have the same sensibilities that you do that can direct you to things that you might want to see right but there are just people out there who just fucking hate everything they watch and they want you to understand how shitty everything is and why they didn't like it and i'm like why are you taking the time for this exactly it's like if you don't like something get out of the fandom you're not a fan you're not a fan your love for star wars ends with the first movie the first movie then 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 fucking walk away from it yeah go clutch your you know vhs tape yeah. Of the, you know, and, yeah. and just shut saying, the fuck up. Right. You don't have to like everything in the fandom, but if you have not liked anything for 40 years... Yeah. You don't have to walk around pissing on everything else yeah. that's come along since the movie you liked. Yeah. Because you're not a fan of them. So just go away from it. Leave it alone. Yeah. Stop they can trying e- to make everyone... So much of fandom lately seems to be about making people feel bad about the things they, they like. Yes. And that's... That is bullshit it is absolute bullshit um the one thing that i did find in um the uh <laughs> in, on letterboxd was somebody had made the comment that david batista dave batista mm-hmm. 
he is that viral video of the little the little possum trotting along the street <laughs> with all the 10 little babies on its back and it's fucking adorable and you'll get you're like oh my god I don't normally like possums, but that is the best thing I've ever seen because that is David Bautista in every fucking movie he he's in. He is getting to be such a good, such a good actor. I wonderful. loved him in Blade Runner. Oh, it's the I only thing I liked seen. in the new Blade see, Runner. Was I don't. Actually... Yeah, I'm not keen because I don't. Oh, it's super long. It's very pretty. It's very long and very pretty, and I'm. It's just I don't think it's going to be my bag, so I'm not. Well, Dave Bautista's only in like the first ten minutes of it. Well, then so, I could start it, and if go. I'm like, wow, this movie has been on for three days, yeah. I can turn it on off after fifteen yeah. minutes and be like, that was fantastic. But yeah, he's really <laughs> he is really becoming a good actor. I think he he's, is, and he cares. I think he's paying he cares. a lot of attention to it. Yes, which I like. He's he cares about what he's doing, mm-hmm. and it shows. He's clearly putting in, every in time action. taking acting classes. Yes. Which a guy shaped like him, who's like a, an MMA guy. Well, he was, was yeah, yeah, he used to wrestler too. And... But a guy that is shaped like that doesn't necessarily have to do that to get no, roles. Because, because you can they just need somebody be, who's a brute. You can always be the brute. Yeah. Yeah, so I really, yeah, I'm really excited about that. Yeah. I, like, I loved him in that. I really liked him in both of the Guardian of the Galaxy movies. movies. Yeah. But he had a lot more to do in the second movie, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I am just, and I'm going to shoot this out there to the fans of the podcast. I'm having a difficulty finding new movies to watch that are, you know, horror that's coming out this year. And I don't know if it's that, um, I'm just not finding the ones I should be giving a chance to, um, or if it's just that there is kind of a lull right now in movies coming out, maybe some more stuff will come out through the summertime. It feels Um, like there has been a lull. (laughs) <laughs> but at the same time, um, the political climate here is so bad that if yeah. I that I turn on the um, I look through my like news feed and there's all the horror I need and I'm yeah. like, maybe You're like, I, I kinda, don't need a horror movie right now. I want to watch something happier right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So now, what I am going to say is we have decided, um, Rias and I that we are going to start taking a slightly different tack in regards to how we do the episodes. After 76 episodes, you know, we've had a lot of themes, um, put out a lot of movie lists, had a lot of recommendations about movies, um, but it ends up being with just a lot of titles being tossed out. Right. I mean, it's always, this is a great podcast for finding out what's coming, what things to watch. Um... And I kind of think that we're going to break it up and talk about fewer films per episode, but maybe talk a little more about them. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it this allows way, us yeah. to even revisit things that we've talked about and not right. just necessarily take a different take, but hone the focus in on just a couple of movies and yeah. discuss Four why they're really important. And discuss yeah. what they mean to us or what they mean to the genre. There's a lot of horror films that I feel like are historically important horror films. Yep. But unfortunately, those tend to be films I don't like. <laughs> That's important. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, super no, important it. film, but not for me. Yeah. I, I used to like calling those spinach films. You know they're good for you. You know that they build towards something in the genre. Are they necessarily, you know, you're going to like run to like... Nope. Nom those down. Probably not. Maybe not. 
No. <laughs> so, but I had a, I, like, the moment Rias suggests, this is all with Rias, this is Rias's suggestion. The moment you did it. Yes, it's all your fault. But no, the very first moment you said, hey, let's hone this down, narrow our focus a little bit, I immediately had an idea. And that idea was, you know, horror movies that impacted me with their viewing or how I viewed them or how I found them, just movies that had an impact um, and that changed things a little bit for me. Okay. And they each have a list of a few with some alternates. Yeah. So... So I'm going to start out with my number one, and it's a movie that's been talked about quite a bit, but I don't think I've talked a lot about why it changed things for me. And that movie is A Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, Wes Craven, 1984. I remember when that first came out, and I was not deeply into horror films, and I You were very timid at that point about horror. Yeah, I went to the bathroom in the movie theater, and when I came out, I accidentally walked into the wrong room just as Johnny Depp was being sucked into the bed, and a giant fountain of blood was coming out. And uh, I did not... I had nightmares about that for a while. Oh, my goodness. Because I was such a fragile thing. Delicate flower. Such a delicate flower. See, unlike me... So, here's the thing with me, is around Tecla's age now... So around nine, nine. Uh-huh. around nine and 10, like I started, I started seeking out kind of darker mythology. I started seeking slightly scarier books and, um, you know, and I think, I think I was probably around 11 where I like found, uh, the omen uh-huh. and then I'd, I'd find like, see, I read horror novels my whole life. I always read horror, but yeah. movies freaked me out. Yeah, I found uh, a lot of novelizations of things um, because we didn't have a local library. There were just movie, there were books that were being sold at people's garage sales. Uh-huh. And so, but anyhow, how I ended up seeing A Nightmare on Elm Street was my first movie that I saw, I went down to my dad's and I saw Dream Warriors. So, you know, it's actually even a little bit later after the original release, a couple years later, third movie. Right, and it's got a lot of comedy in it. And it's so comedic. Yeah. And and Freddy is a Freddy very is different a wise, creature. Freddy's a wise cracking <laughs> Har har har. Let me yeah. shove your head inside a television. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna make quippy remarks as I yeah. like do You're horrible like, oh, things. I see. He's a quirky he's a he's he's a maniac with a sense of humor. Who doesn't like that? Yeah. Woohoo. Um then I watched the first movie. Not so much a sense of humor in that movie. Not so much. I was, I, you know, I was not ready. I was not ready for it. And it changed what I looked for in horror, you know, because I had seen, you know, I was watching goofy things. You know, I was watching Jeff Goldblum in Transylvania 65,000. And I was watching things that, you that know. That was an eye roll in case you couldn't hear that. I know. It, oh, it didn't make me For audiences at home, that, that sound was an eye roll. <laughs> But I was watching silly things that had references to horror movies. Right. Um, you know, I I was, you know, I'd sought up things like The Omen and, you know, some of, you know, the horror, the lighter horror. Um, but then I saw The First Nightmare on Elm Street and it just, it was so dark. It scared me. I was coming up on my teen years. The teens seemed so realistic yep. in that in that very 80s way right. that isn't so much realistic to the teens nowadays. Um, well, they don't have cell phones. Yeah. <laughs> and it was that 
you know, very much that alienation from your parents or that your parents are going to lie to you. Uh -huh. um, the parents are going to keep things that are really important from you because they don't value your opinion. Right. Um, but the thing that really got me is it was Heather Langenkamp. And I had, I, I so fell in love with her because, you know, I'd, I'd been introduced to her by her passing in the, in uh -huh. the third movie. But that she didn't know right away how to defeat him. She had to fucking go get a book. Yep. And she read up on how to, to well, best him. Well, that's what him. you gotta do in real life. I know. It's very realistic. <laughs> and, and to me, more so than I think any other um, uh, final girl, like, mm -hmm. she wasn't... You know, they they do have a moment where she's running around in her pajamas, but they're ridiculous pajamas. Right. And, you know, it, it, they didn't they didn't titillize her as much. And, you know, they did have, you know, the sex teens that right, you know, immediately right. die. But there was just so much more to her. And that really a special effects company now. I know because she married one of the special uh -huh. effects guys. <laughs> and. You know her documentary. I am. He um, I am. Whatever her I am Heather name was. Yeah. <laughs> um, her documentary is very sweet. It is very sweet, and and it talks a whole lot about um, how you know New Line became the house that Freddie built, uh -huh. and how there is this entire um, there. Care, um, there are figures, figurines that you can get of Freddy. There's all of the stuff uh -huh. that you can get about Freddy, and there's nothing out there. The only Freddy is who they wanted to promote because yeah, they're she, getting, he's in all the movies. Yeah, and so there's like nothing out there. There's one figure out there of her in the bathtub. <laughs> oh, and, of course it yeah, is. Yeah, of course that's what it is. Which you know she buys it at one of the conventions and then promptly like rips it out of the box. Uh huh. And is struggling with it, and you just see these people in the background, and they're like. What did you I, just do? That has been in the box <laughs> since 1985. <laughs> you know, because she just doesn't. Yeah. It, you know, I mean, she cares. It was a very intrinsic part of her life. But. I wonder if, because there's a company that's doing a lot of little, little fi action figures. They should do a final girl's line. Oh, they completely should. Um, is it? It's not Funko, but it's... It's one of those. It's one of the ones they bought the old molds from the toys from the 80s, and they used them a lot. Yeah. Anyway. The one thing I did, um, I watched like 75% of the movie again, um, and one of the scenes that still just scares the shit out of me is the scene where she falls asleep at school. And, and she's in the... And, and she's in the classroom with Lin Shay as the teacher. Uh -huh. And all of a sudden, everything just kind of stops. And the boy who's reading Shakespeare, he starts doing this gravelly whisper. Uh-huh. And then she goes out into the hall where she sees Tina in the body bag. Right. And That just, scene is great. The scene is just fantastic. It is. It is fantastic. Um, the only thing, the only shitty thing about that movie is that fucking slapped-on ending, which Wes Craven didn't want to do either. Um... I have and, not rewatched that movie in so long, I don't remember how it ends. Yep. Yeah. And I won't go 
more than that that it's, it's just got a tacked on ending that really nobody wanted to do yeah. and it and it is a different tone it even looks different than all the rest of the movie does um and you know that is the only damning thing on it and the fact that the movies that follow it change change everything so much and they that change it's... tone so much even between them yeah it's crazy yeah, yeah. I mean that second movie again i am going to push never sleep again it is it is like four and a half hours of documentary they talk to everybody who's ever been in any of the movies and it is such a love song to every single one of those movies that it is just a completely worthwhile watch so there we go nightmare on elm street all right i'm gonna <laughs> go with a movie that changed my life completely but might not be a horror movie and that is the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> I grew up in a small, isolated community. We had no music store. We had no record store. We had no movie theater. When I was a teenager, probably I think around 15, my brother-in-law, Ken, for some reason decided that I would love this movie that was showing up in, up in the town they lived in, which was Ashland, Oregon. And... I was, the town I lived in, I was the only weirdo. It wasn't like I had a group of weirdos to hang out with. Yeah. It was just me. And um, so I went to this movie theater and it was full of people like me. And even though it was like 30 miles from my parents' house to get there, I would go there every time I could. I would like yeah. hitchhike to get there. Oh, that's terrifying, but yes. <laughs> oh, a lot of the time I rode my bicycle. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> it, it was important to me. Maybe it wasn't yeah. 30 miles. It seems like an awfully long way, but anyway. Yeah. yeah. But there is, it is and so important to find your people. That's the other thing. These are still my people. The people yeah. I met at the Rocky Horror Picture Show when I moved, when I lived in Tulsa, because it was still showing there are the people that are still my friends today in Tulsa. Yeah. And because that was, I moved to Tulsa in 83, and my friends from high school would go, and we would go every, it showed every other week. Yeah. And we would go every other week, and we met so many people, and there's so many people that I still know that are still part of my life just from that. Yeah. And when I started, even before I started dating Monty, Monty went to college in San Diego, and he was in a Rocky Horror Picture yeah. Show troupe. And so we have that basis never a, of yeah. knowing the same yeah. kind of people. It's it's very important to a lot of different people. It is. That we there was something that that movie provided us that was very important. It was. Um I, I wasn't I was never in a troupe, but I was in a group that did a single production of it. Um, yeah. But but we had to learn like we had to put the whole thing together. So we spent like the entire month getting the whole thing down. And See, I was I was very young. We, ours was pretty slipshod. It was <laughs> anybody that showed up and wanted to be in it. I was very proud because I was Columbia because I was young. Oh, I was I'm young and I had a little I had a little, pl I had so a little was pixie. Oh, <laughs> there are photos. He wasn't regularly Columbia, but he has been Columbia a couple of times. That I've makes seen the me pictures. delightedly happy. Um, so, the guy who played Meatloaf's character, Eddie, Eddie was 
I saw is, it like is, 400 times. He's never going to hear this podcast, so it doesn't matter. But he was just such a fucking asshole, and he was gross. Oh, I'm sorry. And, and he bragged all the time about how he was, like, the backup for this other cast, like, in Minneapolis or something. Wow. And so... He, he he and he was he was nasty and like there was a joke like with the guy who was playing frank um the night before the show he's like well you know i know we've all been working really hard so everybody should go home take a nice long hot shower or take a nice long bath to be really relaxed for the show you should really bathe <laughs> And so he showed up, and and the thing is, is he kept bragging about how he was, you know, backup on the backup. I know, for the I know. Minneapolis chapter, and he just fucked everything up all the time. And I, oh. it was just, I was taking it so seriously, and we had the projector stopped. It like, like we ran into a technical issue, and then all of a sudden, like a moment, like a minute before, all of a sudden the sound came back on, but we couldn't see the picture. And he's just standing around looking befuddled. And I grab him and I'm like, okay, no. And I shove him over to where it is. And then we start like rolling around on the floor. Uh And all of a sudden it came back up and we were exactly where we were supposed to be. Awesome. And I was like, you know, that was, that was worth rolling on the floor with your smelly fucking ass. But it was, it was, you know, it's, yeah. You know, I bonded with those people and. Yeah. I bonded with them and then I found other people through that. Yeah. And this was pre-internet, way yeah. pre-internet. So it was a thing. And if you were in Tulsa, yeah, it was a pretty special group because, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I envy, I envy, I both don't and do envy kids that can find their communities online now, uh, because there is such a feeling of loneliness when you're that weird kid. Yeah, and you you honestly feel like you're never going to find those people. Yeah, and, seriously. And to be able to find those communities online. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, thank God. <laughs> my, 20, my teens and 20s aren't captured for posterity on like the internet. The I'm, like, oh, I'm so glad I wasn't on the internet back then. <laughs> Hope it works for other kids, but uh, yeah, I do not want my bad poetry known no. to the world. No. I no. have a lockbox full of that stuff. <laughs> I haven't looked at it in years. Yep. I should just throw the whole box in a fire, but I'm keeping it because I'm an idiot. Because <laughs> there's going to be a day. There's going to yeah, be a day. Yeah, one day I'm going to realize how great this poetry really was. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, going on to number two movie, or do you have anything else that you want to say about well, Rocky Horror Picture um, Show? I love the Rocky Horror Picture Show. In a way, it opened the door to me to watch a lot of horror movies. Yeah. Because I was a completist, and so I had to see every movie mentioned in science fiction double feature. Fuck yes. And, uh, again, no cable, small town. <laughs> so it took a lot of effort, and it took me a few years. But Eventually yeah. you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um... This movie is a movie that I never run into other people. Like, when I find other people who've seen this movie, there is, like, this amazing bond. It is a movie called Anguish. Um, It came out in 1987. It was filmed elsewhere. It was filmed, like, in Italy or something. Yeah, it is a foreign... It's it's a foreign film. Yeah. I think Italy. I think Italy. And so here's... Here's the deal. Like, I grew up at no cable, 
no movie theaters. Like yep. up, up to where I turned 18 years old, I think I'd seen like five movies in the theater. Um, so I hit my teens. I got re I got back in contact with my, my dad, my stepmom, and they, <laughs> they sent me an allowance and I had never had my own money because my family just didn't, money didn't exist. Right. Um, they, their their big bad allowance they sent me though was on the first of every month they would send me a grand five dollars, and hey. it was five dollars I didn't have. But yep. even even back in like nineteen eighty six, five dollars didn't go especially no. far. So, um, what I discovered is the Holiday Gas Station in Deer River, Minnesota, um, carried I think it was a holiday. I don't know. Anyway, but um. They had the uh, Fangoria, and I had discovered horror movies, mm-hmm. and so I started buying horror movies. And even if I couldn't go see them, I could like read right everything about that. Yeah. And they talked about this movie Anguish, and they're like starring Zelda Rubenstein, and and <laughs> and I was like yes, because at that point I'd already seen Poltergeist, and right, she so just you know charmed she was. the yeah. fuck out of me. And so basically. The gist of the movie is it's a movie within a movie, and it's these two girls, they go to the theater and are watching this movie, and the movie that they're watching is about this mother, and she's never given any other name but mother. Okay. And she's this controlling mother of a middle-aged son who is like um, an, uh, an eye doctor or uh, optologist, optometrist's assistant. Okay. Um. And basically, uh, she just kind of goes crazies, crazy and starts using these um, spirals to hypnotize him, right. to convince him like to kill. Yes, because I get bored sometimes. And you I gotta like, have those, spi- those kill spirals. Kill spirals. It was very, was it Uzumaki? Is that the Japanese uh-huh. film with all the spirals? And uh, her son is just like, he's, he's both like dangerous yet inept and <laughs> and big and scary and yet this tiny woman is just ruling his life with an iron thumb and he's killing these people and stealing their eyes and outside of that all of a sudden it goes back into the theater of these two girls uh-huh. that are watching the movie and somebody is stalking them in the theater and so they've got the peril of watching the movie. Right. Yet there's peril in the theater. And I remember just, I am shocked that, because the thing is, it's like, I would go down to my dad and stepmom's and they would, the, the movies were at the gas station. I think there was a video store a little ways away. Right. But I am shocked that this little weird foreign made, perhaps dubbed, I think parts of it were, you know, some of the characters were dubbed. Like, even, like, existed there. But I just, I, like, had to find this movie. And and, and I remember, like, I just, it had waited so long. Because right. we didn't even because have a VHS player at home. No. We didn't have a VCR. And so, like, I had to go to my dad's. And I had to seek it out. And, I, and I'd wanted to see it for so long. And then I found it. And it was weird. And it wasn't a movie that we'd see on yeah. television. It was so different and so strange. And I loved <laughs> it. And, and it wasn't one of those movies that I'm like, 
I'm going to show this. I'd completely show this. I finally found like a DVD version of it. And I'd completely show it for Horror Movie Fridays. Uh-huh. But like this group that we have right now, while I'm 44 years old, is the first group of people I'd be like, you might like this movie. Yeah. You know? It, and it felt well, mine. I'll watch it. I'll show it to you. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it just, it was the first thing that I found in Fangoria that I, that I had to pursue and find. And I never felt like as I was watching that, that I could show it to everyone. That it just felt like it was mine. Movie I think I can remember reading about in Fangoria was uh, Cronenberg's Scanners. Oh yeah, because they had that big picture of the guy's head exploding <laughs> as like a centerfold oh or some ridiculous thing. I rented this apartment in the first college town I moved to, and they had a flood, and I lost a bunch of my books, and I think all of my old Fangoria uh. movies, and or all my Fangoria magazines uh-huh. they like they just got wet yeah. and they were just unsalvageable yeah i had that happen in a storage unit and i'm a little crushed because you know you think about it there haven't been that many magazines i mean what did it start in like 79 or 80 uh-huh. something and you know 11 or 12 a year and you know i mean you think about yeah, it happening for so long. now to find out what the good horror, what horror movies are coming out. If and you Fangoria's if you have that their, information, tell me because I'm not. Well, Fangoria is producing a lot of their own movies, and they have not been great. Well, Fangoria is coming back into production because basically right. they took everybody's money a couple of years ago and then gave them absolutely nothing for yep. it. Um, they they brought back Fangoria and or no, they had Fangoria. Um, but we're doing these big sales, and then said they were going to bring back Gore Zone, and I sub- I, I uh, subscribed to both because I knew that the magazines were both in right. a bit of trouble, and then I got I think two magazines out of an entire year's supply. Yeah. So um, one of the original creators um, and contributors is restarting it up. I think they're only doing quarterly. Um, and Rebecca McKendry originally of Fangori and then Bloomhouse and mm-hmm. now um, I think she's just teaching right now but is um, helping put the new Fangoria back together and so I'm definitely going to subscribe to the new one but I mean there are little parts See, where like, I the last time I bought it in the store it was like 12 bucks and I was like it's horrifically expensive it's yeah it's horrifically expensive because it's all full color yeah. and yeah so I mean it's definitely you and know, I felt like for me that was a magazine I read when I was a teenager and it was hard for me to imagine that kids that age would be able to afford it now. Yeah. So I wasn't sure what the audience even was. Yeah. But I bought it because they had an episode um, edited by Brian Fuller. And yeah. it was amazing. Oh, the one with the Hannibal, the Hannibal with, with the Wendigo oh, on the such cover? such great stuff. Yeah, I've yeah. got that. Yeah. Because it's like whenever I've been in the position to, I've, I've kept my subscription for it because it was it was very formatively important to me. So... As I love to you, my darling. Oh my god. I'm gonna go with The Exorcist 3. Fucking love that movie so much. Exactly. So I actually I read seen, the book first. So I watched The Exorcist. Yeah. And it freaked me out because I was yeah, a kid. Yeah. But it didn't terrify me that much. It was yes. just it was a good horror movie. And I've seen it a bunch of times since, and I still think it's a good horror movie, but probably not the greatest horror movie yeah. ever. And then Exorcist 2 came out, and it was about grasshoppers. I've never seen it, so. <laughs> grasshoppers. grasshoppers. Well, locusts. Locusts, yes. 
And uh, largely, a lot of people fainted during that movie, but only during the scene where she's in the hospital and they're putting a giant needle in her. Ugh. Yeah. So, Exorcist 2, I could not stand. And then my friend Jana, who is a troublemaker, said, you should watch Exorcist 3, it's amazing. And I'm like, oh, really? George C. Scott. Uh, yeah, she's like, well... <laughs> and I went over to her house, and we watched it, and we were, I was like... I don't know if she had seen it at that point either. And we were just, like, blown away. Yeah. Like, that beautiful scene where they're scanning the camera across the church and there's all of the f saints. Yeah. And one of them is grinning like the Joker. But the camera just pans past it, so yeah. it's a subliminal. Yeah. So amazing. Um, that movie the is scene, so good. The, the dream sequence where they're wandering through the hospital ward. Yeah. The fuck? I mean, there's just so many beautiful scenes in it. And knowing the, the like difficulty that they had with the production and kind uh -huh. of rewriting and, and interjecting a different story into it, yeah. I didn't care. I just loved all of it. I wanted to know about George C. Scott and the carp in his bathtub. I know. He wanted to fucking kill that carp. He hates that carp. He hates that carp. <laughs> yeah, that movie was really good. And so I have that. I don't know that it was a formative movie or that it was a huge influence on me. But it made me a lot more open-minded about watching sequels. Oh, there you go. So there's that. Um, oh, I just, I don't, I don't remember when I just absolutely fell for George C. Scott, but I just, <laughs> I just did. And I've heard he's a butt, but you know, he was, you know, he had, he had troubles with drinking and then, well, you know. And, you can be a good actor and still be a butt. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> Um, and As so, we all know. <laughs> In case you haven't looked at the news lately. Oh, God. <laughs> and we're just going to skip right over that. Yeah. I'm going to jump to one of my... I was going to go right next to another movie, but you've just opened that door to George okay. C. Scott, and it's you here. So, back in the day... This would have been 1990-something. No, actually, it would have been... Uh, because it was when you were working at Vertigo, but I only moved right. out here in 2000. Oh, okay. So it must so have it was been very, after that. very early, very early 2000s. Um, but I moved on to the hill, and I was going out to the Merc a lot, and I was dating just an absolute awful man. And, um, like who, you do. Who, who, yes. Not like now, you, but like, like you, we have all done. We have all done, and it was my, uh, my mid to late 20s. And didn't really like hanging out with me so like every friday night i would go to the mercury by myself and on my way of walking to the mercury i would stop at vertigo video and i would spend probably an hour and a half talking with you yeah because we didn't have a lot of customers at this video yeah store. i know <laughs> and uh, as one of my favorite things about working there was that that a lot of the customers we did have you could hang out and talk to them it was like it was like in the old days when the guys used to sit around the wood stove in the store. Yes! We would crank up a horror movie and uh, friends would come over. Yeah. And just hang out and, and just hang out. And or like, sometimes a band would practice I mean, there. All kinds of things <laughs> happened mean, in that Some store. of the movies that you guys rented were movies that I had brought in and given to Rob. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I've got a bunch of Chaplin that you can stick in your Chaplin section. Yeah. That, you know, people should be watching these. You know, and then when he when he eventually closed up shop, you know, I grabbed all my stuff and then bought a shit ton of stuff. Like, yep. everything I could afford out of the shop. Oh, I still have the VHS of Female Trouble from that and <laughs> Multiple Maniacs. Because I'm like, no, 
I need these on VHS. And I have, you know, I have other copies, but the crappy VHS from Video Vertigo. There you go. Those are, those are totemic. Yes. So I think what had started the conversation is I'd gotten really into Japanese and Asian horror, which was a conversation I think I had a lot with Rob. And then I was talking to you that I think I really, I said I felt like there were some gaps in older horror that I liked uh-huh. and and that I wanted to watch some stuff that was a little more, gosh, thinking yeah. Instead of stabby? Thinking instead of stabby. And uh, I think we got into a conversation about Anatomy of a Murder because I know I watched that one too. Right. Right, and I yeah, but and you I su- always recommend that movie because it's wonderful, it's fucking amazing. But you suggested The Changeling with George C. Scott, and I remember I had this little television <laughs> in my little studio, my little brownstone studio apartment in Capitol Hill, which I rented for like seven hundred, which yep. I just looked up online and is renting for like close to two thousand dollars a month now. It's like two hundred and eighty square feet. Two blocks off Broadway on our rent for a two bedroom apartment was eight hundred a month. Yeah. Jesus. Oh yeah. Seattle. <laughs> but I I didn't watch there's there's so many movies, um, especially horror. Uh-huh. That I've always watched alone or I've always watched in the dark by myself because, you know, it's not a horror movie unless I'm scaring the ever loving dog shit out of me. <laughs> I mean, like, just like, let's put myself in a position to be just as absolutely terrified as absolutely possible. Um, but I watched it alone and there were just so many moments that the, the, the ball the little red, oh, the red ball. ball. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, and just even the opening of it with, you know, this man happily traveling with his uh, child and his daughter. Uh-huh. And then it has this graphic, like, and it's just like time passes and there he is again. Yep. And it's just performing. I know he, uh, the woman who plays the real estate agent who shows uh-huh. him the place is his wife. Yeah. Who'd appeared in multiple movies with him. And the their relationship and their instant chemistry. And I think one of the other things I really loved about it is it's all adults in this movie. Like there's no No living children. No living children. Yeah. Um Yeah, and, and there's so much horror that's so aimed towards teenagers and it's subtle and it's scary and it's those fucked up families. Yeah, it's 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 a movie that you think about. It's a thinky movie, not a stabby movie. There's places for stabby movies and there's places for thinky <laughs> movies. There are places for geysers of blood. Yes. Gallons and geysers and 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 uh log chippers. I mean, yep. that has a place. True. Just not, not, not there. But not in The Changeling. The Changeling <laughs> is a movie that freaks you out because of what you think. It's like your brain messes you up in that movie. Yeah. And it really opened the door to, I remember after that, discovering movies like um, Burnt Offerings. I love Burnt Offerings. I love Burnt Offerings. Um, I read that book long before I knew there was a movie. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that was one of those. There's a bunch of, like, the older horror that I've sought out the 
the short stories uh-huh. and the original yeah. books that they were based on in Burnt Offerings. So that cover to Burnt Offerings is amazing. Yeah. Um, I've thought of the other, um, which is the story about the two twin boys. And oh, like yeah, one yeah. is the good twin and one is the bad twin, um, which I've threatened to show uh, all the time and and I just I just you know there's always something to yeah. show but it, it a lot of those like slow burn 70s horror um you know it, it but it made me seek a lot of those out and they're quieter and and you know uh-huh. they're not for everybody but they're just they're for me yeah. yeah they're for me I like 70s horror a lot and I don't necessarily when I say 70s horror mean things like the big blockbuster texas chainsaw or the but you know what the best part about that story was it was you and and it was a really really hard part of my life and there was a lot that made me feel unappreciated and alone and that hour of talking to you every friday night was something (laughs) that i carried with me for a really long time and i was really really glad when we reconnected oh that's really sweet so yeah so lobbing again to you what is your next movie my next movie is a movie which affected my life negatively for years (laughs) and that movie is called night of the living dead so the original what is it the original black and white one so when i was probably 12 or 13 i'm guessing yeah i got to go to the fair to see a concert with my friend Okay. And the concert was Jan and Dean. Oh, yes. We had Jan and Dean on record. Yeah. They weren't that great, but they were playing at the fair. And, like, as you may have heard before, I came from a very small town, so seeing any show was super exciting. Um, So I went and saw the Jan and Dean show, and when I got home, my whole family had gone to bed. Yes. And I turned on the TV... And I was like, oh, a black and white movie. I love black and white movies. <laughs> because I had watched some black and white horror movies. And they yeah. were like Frankenstein, Dracula, the classic movies. Yeah. And I thought that this was probably like that. Oh, you weren't ready. I was not ready for that. So the entire night after I watched it, I was so scared. I just laid in bed. And of course, oh, any house... noise, any noise your house oh, Our house was heated by a fireplace. So every time the wood would pop, it would sound like a bullet, and I yep. thought the zombies were coming. Yeah. And, and plus, that, lasted... that ending is so gutting that it, it just stays with you. Yeah. The ending was heartbreaking, and I was terrified of zombies pretty much for the next 15 to 20 years. Like, I could not watch a zombie movie. Oh. At all. You're like, no. I couldn't. It just... no. I would have nightmares for weeks about zombies because I watched Night of the Living Dead when I was too little. (laughs) You know, I I know I've shared this. (laughs) I've shared the story on the podcast before, but I have not shared the story with you. So, you know, I was taken out of my dad's life when I was really young. My mom moved away and my grandmother told him for a good couple of years that we were on vacation. And... Are you hearing things elsewhere? Or is no, that's a hell terrible? of a vacation. Two yes, years? Yes, a couple of years, a couple of years. Uh, it was like six to like 11. We were just away. And then um, I think my mom got back in contact with him to finalize their divorce. And 
uh, we reestablished contact and we started visitation. And I was like 10 or 11. And at that point, I was really getting interested in horror and darker movies. And so we'd get down there and, you know, the VHS movement was really starting because it was, you know, 84, 85, 86. Um, More like 84, 85. And um, I would beg and I would find, you know, I'd find things like The Omen. I'd find Uh the, the recent horror that just came out. And they were really a little uncomfortable because I was so young. Right. And they were like... You know, what are you this taking is, from this? Yeah. What, what is your this interest is maybe in it? not so cool for you to be watching. Exactly. And so they're like, okay, well, let us know what you want to see. We'll rent it and we'll kind of go from there. Right. And they kind of watched me. And they were like, she isn't having any nightmares. This isn't, you know, it's not upsetting her in any way. She's no. not watching anything that's like particularly gory. Yeah. Um, We're still taking her to the library all the time. She's reading a lot of books. Yep. And they're like, this isn't having any negative impact on yeah. her at all. This isn't yeah. scaring it, her Yeah, you know, it depends. Some kids are cool with it, and some kids are yeah. freaks like me. Well, no, there's... I was... You are in, you know, there's a majority that they're like, Victoria, my, my friend, Victoria and Paul, she, she can't watch anything scary because she will have nightmares for weeks if not months yeah like her brain just can't and doesn't yep. want that imagery and nothing there's and, nothing wrong with that and there's nothing wrong with that it just it doesn't fit in her life yeah and and there's nothing to be gained if that's not your style of movie that you want to watch but i never had that um my my nightmares are not about anything that comes up in a horror movie so i don't have any movie like that that i look back on the only movie that i can look back on like that, that I literally had to turn off the movie and it took a lot of bracing and, and probably reading on the internet to uh-huh. go back and finish it was Dolores Claiborne, uh, oh, yeah. Stephen King. Right. And I can it, understand and that. It, and it's because it's of triggering the, to you particularly. Particularly because yes. of the abuse in it. And it right. was, you know, the husband laughing and then suddenly hitting her. Like, yep. like laughing, 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 laughing till all of a sudden he hits her. Um, and so, Yeah. But, you know, it's like different things scare different people. Right. You know, and affect you And in a eventually way. I got over my fear of zombies because I realized that I was not having nightmares about zombies. I was having nightmares about assimilation. Ooh. See, that's Giant, the scariest thing! Uh-huh. Giant, slow-moving groups that you will eventually become one of them. No matter how hard you, no matter how far you run, they will follow you until you die yeah. from exhaustion, and then you become one of them. Well, and thank you. I, now I will have that as a nightmare. <laughs> no, I I grew up in a town where conformity was highly valued. Hell yeah. And I just did not fit in with that, and I was always terrified it was going to catch up with me. Yeah, it never has. I've tr- I tried to be normal for like a year once, and it did not take. I can tell you. <laughs> I wore colorful dresses that I got at Kmart and Sears. Yeah. This wasn't that long ago. It wasn't meant to be. It was not meant to be. I just, I could not do it. So have you ever, like, been able to watch it again, or have you watched other... Oh, yeah, I can, I'm fine with it now. Now, yeah. Because once I realized what was the nightmares were, I stopped having them. Well, because I go. was like, oh, I can stop these nightmares just by dressing like a freak. Done! Done! Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, one that I your turn. Yep, one that I skipped over from my childhood, and I'm probably not going to spend all that much time on it. That's what you um, think? Yeah, Nightbreed. I so, had Nightbreed on my list also, not my final five list, but one of them. Yeah, a Nightbreed was. For me, the first magazine movie I actually discovered through Fangoria. Yeah, I remember reading about it in Fangoria, but the thing that I found so strange, because, you know, growing up in this town of like 800 people, uh-huh. I found fucking Cabal, like the, 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 with that the book. pink yeah, yeah, and yeah. purple cover, like that I've, I found another version of like, I don't even think it's like uh-huh. the first edition, but it's just the edition that I found right. at the drugstore. When you used to be able to go into the, the grocery yeah, yeah, yeah. stores that had the little uh-huh. spinning little cylindrical. Racks. Yeah, and I found it there, and I read it, and I was like, oh, it's going to be amazing. And then I'd, I'd already read about it in Fangoria, then I read the book, and then I was like, oh, this movie's going to, I'm going to watch this movie. And then we all watched the movie, and we're like, and the sequels are going to be so amazing. Uh-huh, and then, then there they never happened. <laughs> They're doing a Nightbreed based Television TV show, so maybe I we'll know. get some answers there. I know. Well, and what has happened with that movie is amazing. And what has happened with that movie... What has happened with that movie? So what has happened with that movie is the opposite of what George Lucas did with the Star Wars movies. That he said, this wasn't my vision. I'm going to create my vision, but now. And I'm going to change this movie. And I'm going to wipe the other movie from existence. And I'm going to do everything within my power to take the other way movie yeah. away from you. Because it wasn't, it wasn't my vision. So Clive Barker said, they took this movie away from me. They gave it a different cut. Um... They never accepted that the monsters were the heroes. And we all know that the monsters yes, are the heroes. Yes, we all know the monsters are the heroes. So, Nobody went to see that movie for the humans. No. 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 And then footage was found. Like, footage right. was just randomly found. Right. Like, 20 years after the fact. And he put this version together called the Cabal Cut, which was right. just literally all of the footage. Right. You know, it, it isn't necessarily a better version of the movie. This toured festivals, um, and people worked really, really hard to go see this fuller version of the movie that they had loved. Uh-huh. That was all well and good. But it still doesn't answer the questions at the end of the movie. It doesn't. But then... Um, he gets this deal to utterly recut the movie and do the absolute best that he can to create from the footage. Um, And Scream Factory works with him to release this beautiful version. The director's cut? The director's director's cut. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful and they refurbished it. It it is beautiful. Have you seen the Cabal cut? Yeah, I watched it with you. Oh yes, the one I showed. Okay. So the thing is, is what they did in theatrical version is they utterly removed all of the characterization of his girlfriend. They removed the fact that she was a singer, that she performed in a rock band. There was nothing about her in the movie. In the regular theatrical release, she was barely a character. She she runs and she tries to save him. She was an object that was used to motivate him. Yeah, and, and I was like, why is there just why is he so driven by this love for her and we don't know who she is? Yeah. She's this drab girl in a drab sweater yeah. that we don't understand in any way. And then when you see um, 
the Cabal Cut, and they've released a version of the Cabal Cut, and, and for those of you who weren't able to get a copy of it, I'm sorry. It was really fucking expensive. They did a really limited release. It was like 250 copies, I think up to like 300 copies. And, and I was in a position to be able to buy it, and I did. And there were a whole bunch of people who didn't get to um, because they weren't part of the, you know, Clive Barker secret community on Facebook. Um, and it was Occupy Midian. And pretty much those were the only people that it was offered to. Yep. Um, and the, 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 the thing is, though, what I appreciate with what he did is he never says that the theatrical version doesn't exist. He's just like, you can still go out there and buy yeah. it. And... And it doesn't wipe away anything. And for the people who love the original movie, which I did until I saw the better until version. Until you realized, oh, wait, this could this be better. Be this so could much better. Sense. This, you know, could let women be important in the story. Um, and yes, there's a lot that's unresolved with the ending. Um, but it was just, it was just an important movie to me. The monsters were my heroes. Yeah. I... I loved Midian, and I yeah. still love Midian. Um, well, it's that whole idea of the Rocky Horror Picture thing, show thing coming back, where people, where you find your community of yeah. freaks and weirdos, yeah, and you build within that to create yeah. your world, yeah. And that was yeah, and I, I wanted my monsters to be actual monsters. Yep. Um, before I, you know. Before I got involved in comic book stories and seeing superhero movies, uh -huh. like I didn't want to be a superhero. I didn't want to be a, a a Marvel creation. I wanted to be a creature of Midian. I am still bummed out that I did not become a werewolf at puberty. <laughs> <laughs> I lost the ability to sleep when the moon comes full. I'm like, weird hair is coming I'm out of my, my body. <laughs> It's like, oh, Jillian and her, like, when am I going to get the awesome side effects of vampirism rather yeah, than I can't, just the I can't allergy handle, to garlic? Yeah, garlic and can't handle it, can't abide sunlight. So what is your next movie? Oh, jeez. Well, I have a movie on here called Dracula Has Risen from the Grave. It is not my favorite vampire movie. Yeah. My favorite vampire movie is probably always going to be Near Dark. Oh, God. Which, fucking love, love that, that movie. movie so much. Oh, I love it so much. But Dracula Has Risen from the Grave is either the second or third, second, I think, uh, Hammer Dracula We've film. talked about this. Yeah. Yes. I still haven't seen it, though. I, I really want to watch and it with you. I absolutely love it. I can't put my glasses on my head because my hair is too, too big. big. Yes. Um, <laughs> the look of awe on my daughter's face is Rise. Rise came from work and she had beautiful just <laughs> very hilarious hair her, her hair is so enormous and you have the beautiful eyebrows and the beautiful eye makeup i did and, i went full drag queen today. yes and false eyelashes and tecla literally did the round mouth oh she walked up because she was so <laughs> oh my god was, that's so funny oh. <laughs> but she is used to just topping her little glasses right up on the top of her head and her hair. I can't because my hair's too big. Her hair is resisting. <laughs> okay, so my next, so Dracula's Written in the Grave is a movie that I remember watching as a kid. Yeah. Um, Possibly one of the few early memories I have of my brother. Because he, when we were four, 
the family split up. Okay. So I did not have a brother probably after the age of three because he went off and married somebody or something. Okay. So I have brothers and sisters, but I was raised separately from them, and it's it's an odd, odd yeah. thing. But, um, but he loved Hammer films. And I remember watching this, seeing this when I was a very little kid, and I absolutely loved it. It has all of the awesome Dracula stereotypes. It's got the town full of peasants who are like, do not go to the castle. It's got... <laughs> it's got... I believe that in the end of the first Christopher Lee Dracula movie, he Christopher Lee is killed by falling off of a bridge into a river and freezing solid under the ice. Mm -hmm. So somebody is running and they fall on the bridge and cut their hand and the blood drips through onto the ice and it wakes up Christopher Lee. Hell yeah. Um, it has all of this wonderful stuff in it and it's such a British vampire movie. And it's got the ladies in the low-cut clothing. It's oh, yeah. Just... Oh, Hammer. Hammer was oh, all yeah. about their boobage. Hammer were all about the boobs. And I just... It's stereotypical, and it is wonderful. It's technicolor. It's sets yeah. are gorgeous. The costumes are gorgeous. Christopher Lee is terrifying. And it is... I love Hammer Horror, and that is just the one of the two movies that really exemplifies it for me. Yeah, we were we were laughing because uh, the next door neighbor had his birthday party last last weekend. Right, and we put on my birthday. How yeah. rude! How rude! <laughs> and uh, we were laughing about how wonderful Christopher Lee was, and that how he had the discussion in the Lord of the Rings movies where he's like, "That's he's not, not what a man sounds, sounds like, like when you stabbed. stab him." Yeah, yeah. Well, how do you know that? Was it was it because he'd stabbed someone or he had been in the OSS? I think yes. Well, he's yes. He was yeah. He was, was a, he was a badass motherfucker. Yeah. And he had hurt somebody. I can't remember if it was that he had been stabbed or he had stabbed someone. He had Knowing stabbed Chris, someone. He I had think. stabbed someone. Yes, and he just kind well, of he's got good them. height for it. Yeah. So yeah, that's probably my favorite of the whole Hammer horror films. Yeah. And I'm not saying it was a huge influence on my life, but I. Also liked it. It's not very. It's it didn't scare me when I was a kid. Yeah, that wasn't the kind of movie that scared me. I loved horror movies. Yeah, growing up, but not the scary ones, which is a weird thing to say because all horror movies strive to be scary. Yeah, and I can remember watching Kingdom of the Spiders one night at a slumber party, and being and shrieking in fear because I moved and my hair dragged across my neck and I thought it was a tarantula. <laughs> And that is definitely not a scary horror movie. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I loved the horror movies that weren't scary. And those were Frankenstein, mm -hmm. Dracula. The Hammer horror films never really scared me. But yet stupid things like I was a teenage Frankenstein. Because they open a birdcage and there's a human face in it. Ooh. That they're going to put on the monster to make him look human. It's a rubber mask. It is clearly a rubber mask in a parakeet cage. <laughs> But when you are a 10-year-old girl, the whole idea of a face just laying just there face just laying there Ugh. with nobody in it. Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. So is there anything else on your list that that you would be sad not to talk about? Or could it could it be a part of a different conversation? Well, I mentioned Near Dark. Yep. 
which everybody knows is the best movie ever. It really is. Well, the I best vampire to, movie. I swear to God, when I got to meet Lance Henriksen. I'm oh. so jealous that you got to meet Lance Henriksen. I, I hugged him without asking, and he literally told the people coming after me that that he was not hugging anyone else. <laughs> because you're a monster. <laughs> yes, I, I apparently stole his last hug. <laughs> And I'm not Maybe sorry. he's just not a guy that likes to be hugged. I saw other pictures. I think it was just that I just kind of dove upon him. And yeah. You don't dive upon him. He's an he's, old man. He's tiny. He's this tiny little man. I still like, he sang, he sang, he sang a bit of a song from um, uh, Painted, Paint Your Wagon. And, and I swear to God, <laughs> my, I was looking for my panties. It doesn't matter how old or wizened oh, he is. <laughs> Um, the only other movie I had was a movie called The Sentinel. Oh, I am familiar. The one about the lady yeah. that moves into the apartment building? Yeah. Even today, when I hear a weird noise in the night, my my brain fills it in with a picture from that movie. Ooh. <laughs> I've only, I think that's one of the movies that I sought out about that time that I watched. Because uh, I think I, around that time I watched like The Tenant and the Sentinel, and and things of that ilk. Well, the thing I liked about the Sentinel, it's hard to explain. Mm-hmm. There's a really messed up backstory with this girl and her abusive father. Yeah. And she hears him, his ghost, upstairs, pacing. Okay. And that scared the hell out of me. Yeah. Um, God, I don't remember anything. I know I've watched it. The interesting thing about it is that at the end of the movie, when the gates of hell co- open and all yeah. of the monsters come out, they didn't have a special effects budget. Those are all people with facial defects. Oh. They're all people with handicaps. Yeah. Well, God, I don't I know if they're do. handicaps, but they yeah. were... All people with... Or mostly people with, Yeah. Because they had a low makeup budget. But the part where the gates of hell come open doesn't scare me nearly as much. As when she's in the house and she hears her father running up and down in the room above her. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. That's just a creepy... I, as we're both me. just sitting here just kind of thinking about that. <sighs> yeah. That her father <laughs> abused her and is dead, but he is still there. Yeah. That's messed up. Well, on that note, so, uh, I, had a, I had a couple more, but I don't really have that much to say about the movie, so I think I'm just going to leave them for another conversation. Would you like a documentary corner? Yes. So, Rice's is documentary, documentary corner. This doesn't count as like a documentary film, <laughs> but there is a series that is me. on A&E. <laughs> There's a new series on A&E that I've been enjoying called Cults and Extreme Beliefs. That does not surprise me. And each week they examine a different cult. And a lot of them are cults I haven't heard of. Nudarius so, cults? I mean, that's something. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm enjoying that a lot as far as a weird documentary show. The only thing that annoys me about it is whenever they show a picture and they have to censor the other people in the picture because they're talking to the cult member who's mm-hmm. out. So they have to hide the faces. They use this filter that just looks like their faces were scratched out of the picture like with a knife and that always cracks me up i'm like come on guys it's the same exact scratches on every picture but that's always but it's that's an interesting always show that's, that's always something that's bothered me like in horror movies where you see that where like people are like their their faces are scraped from pictures like that's that is a visual that upsets me well, then you should not watch this show. 
well, fine. <laughs> I'll get my cult movies elsewhere. <laughs> fine, go ahead. Um, so I think that's it for us this week. Yeah. I think we both need sleep. I'm so tired. <laughs> I like just saw the time and I was like, I was going to talk about more things. I'd rather sleep. <laughs> All right. Then so let us stop talking and start yep. sleeping. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what the next, you know, topics are going to be, but I love we'll the idea of having, you know, just better conversations. And yeah, again, we can talk about, we can talk more about film without talking about more films, but we'll still talk about more films. Yes. You could tell from that sentence that I'm a person who needs sleep. Yes. Anyway, talk to you guys in two weeks. Good night. Don't Read the Latin can be found at don'treadthelatin.com, on Twitter at drtlpodcast, on Tumblr, or at facebook.com slash don'treadthelatin. Please rate us on iTunes and tell your friends and thieves about us. We're dying to meet them. <laughs>